Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 78 of the Kameno Voice. Today, I speak with a local Kameno Island watercolorist. Please welcome John Ebner. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kameno Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Kameno Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, we made it. We made it to through uh, 2020. Um, so congratulations, to everyone. Um, <laughs> um, but really, uh, just big thank you to everyone. Um, the podcast has grown quite a bit over the last year. And, um, you know, that's all thanks to you guys for sharing it with your friends and um, listening. Uh, so I really appreciate everyone that's listening out there. Um, again, if you have any comments or questions or just want to say hi, I'd uh, love to hear from you guys. You can email me at voice at commandocommons.com. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a happy new year. Hope you guys have some goals set and some plans for the new year uh, as we get moving this way. And, um and I wanted just to remind everyone again, um, I will be offline for the next two weeks. Um, I will be back with a new podcast starting January 26th. Um, but uh, uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, December is just a crazy month for, for me and my family. Um, I've, we're, our shop is super busy, so I don't see them a lot. So I'm taking a couple weeks off to hang out with the family. Um, so I'll be offline for a couple weeks. But then starting January 26th, we will be back with new podcasts and new guests. So, um, but... Yeah, so I just wanted to remind everyone on that. Anyways, um, but if you guys haven't already, you can always go back, check out all of the ones that I have done. If you haven't listened to all of them, um, there's quite a few of them out there. Uh, almost, so uh, almost been doing this for a year and a few months now. So quite a few podcasts. So be sure to check them all out. Um, all right, now John Ebner. I've been wanting to get John Ebner on the podcast for quite a while. Um, and it was kind of hard to chase him down, um, but finally he agreed to it. And uh, I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while. Um, John Ebner is an artist I've known about for a lot of my life because uh, we've kind of partnered with him uh, at the marketplace and we do his tiles every here. Um, and every year at the Christmas house, we have a set amount that if you spend that much, you get a free signed John Ebner tile. And um, I mean, it, they're, they're amazing looking. They're so cool. And every time that we get to give one of those away, uh, the people are just so overjoyed. They're so excited about them. They look awesome. Um, it's a nice little surprise to throw at the end of their their shopping, Christmas shopping. And um, anyways, so it's, uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. And um, so we got into all sorts of things of how we got into art in the beginning, why he chose water, you know, how he ended up in watercolor. Um, we also get into the, the debate of watercolor versus acrylic painting and um, some of that. And then how he's fused technology into his art as well. So um, we get to, into all of this and more. Uh, the other thing is he is our featured artist of the month for the month of January um, up in the loft, which if you haven't heard already, that's the upstairs in the marketplace. So there's going to be a wall dedicated to, to John Ebner up here. Um, and he's going to bring in some, either some originals or some stuff that he normally doesn't have in the marketplace. Um, so be sure to come out uh, to the loft and check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a great opportunity to see some of the stuff that we don't normally carry. 
And uh, yeah, so anyways, that's all for that. So without further ado, here's my conversation with John Ebner. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with a local Camino Island artist. Welcome to the podcast, John Ebner. Morning. How you doing, Brandon? Good. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, should be fun. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about John. Oh, about John. Okay. Um, well, I'm an artist, uh, watercolor artist. I paint Northwest watercolors. I'm here on Camino Island and been here for about 23 years. Uh, I retired from my previous job and uh, decided to move to paradise, and here we are. Very cool. Nice. So uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town in Oregon, Sublimity, Oregon. Not many people know this, but this is where the Wright brothers' father taught school at one time for a while. I lived there for three years. Okay. But it's a little town about 15 miles southeast of Salem, Oregon. Okay. Very cool. And then uh, did you grow up there the whole time uh, through high school and everything? Right. Yeah. I left home when I was 19. Okay. But, yeah. Nice. How was that growing up in, in, like, so how, I guess, first of all, how big, like, how small of town was this? There were about 350 people there now. There's about 3,000 people now. Okay. But uh, what it was like, it was unbelievable. And growing up on a farm, compared, compared to the way the kids grow up these days, like our, our grandkids, really have no idea what it was like. Um, we all worked every day. We all had our chores, but we hunted and fished. We did, I mean, we explored. We rode horses all over the place. Uh, so it was just an incredible thing. It's totally different, I think, than the way things, where kids grow up these days. Yeah. You know, in the Okay. Very cool. So then um, when you were growing up and stuff, when did you kind of decide, or I guess when did you get interested in art? You know, like one of the things I can remember is one Christmas, Santa brought me a little, like a little coloring book. And it had the figures and things uh, were made up of little black dots, like you see in the newspaper, you know, the little black dots. Yeah. But anyway, you'd take a brush with, with water and put water over these things as if you were painting, and the colors would explode and it would color at night. I remember that, God, I thought this is just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I thought it was so fun. So I left the Christmas tree and went into the kitchen and played with my coloring book the rest of the day. Nice. And I, I think that kind of sparked things for me a little bit. Yeah. Very cool. So it just started with something simple. And how, how old were you in this when you got that? Probably, I'm going to say five or probably five years old. Okay. So super young. Yeah. Okay. So then as you were going through like elementary school and everything, how did that, did that continue to develop or was it something that you kind of shelved for a while? It was kind of on the shelf, although I, in my later years, maybe fourth and fifth grade was, I guess, my first little art class class. And we did some, uh, uh, I was painting, I remember painting daffodils and birds and to me, again, this was just such an incredible discovery to see that you could create your own flowers and 
draw your own animals and birds, uh, it was uh, really exciting for me. And I, I had one teacher even that said, you know, John, if you will, uh, if you will draw a couple of birds for me or some some flowers, I won't make you take the test today. <laughs> wow, kind of nice. Yeah, very cool. So then, um, did you do much with art during high school and stuff then? No, I, I didn't. I, I didn't really do a, a darn thing with it. Um, it wasn't till uh, after, well, I didn't do anything really until we, my wife was pregnant with our first son, John. And we, we used to smoke like crazy. And she says, you know, we've got to stop this. And uh, so we did. And we're, we're kind of like, I don't know, going crazy. <laughs> so to pass the time, she, she signed me up for a watercolor course uh, at an adult education school in uh, Kirkland. Okay. And, gosh, I went there that one night, and we, we painted a few techniques and stuff, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I went home. Painted till two o'clock in the morning. I just could not believe how fun it was to add color to wet paper and watch it explode. Much it kind of do its own thing. Uh, man, I just it was it was so exciting. So uh, uh, I took that class and then <clears throat> uh, later on, then started getting serious mm-hmm. and I I took uh, workshops from different people. One of them was. Uh, a well-known guy in uh, Redmond, Jerry Stitt, anyway. And we've been friends ever since. I've stayed in touch. Um, so, yeah, I, I've continued to study ever since that. I, I'm constantly taking workshops. Uh, I buy every book I can find of things that interest me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of in a certain mode, you know, watercolors. Um yeah, so uh, I'm I'm constantly learning, and uh, I think the longer I do this, the more uh, I think the more excited and the more uh, I mean I, I I definitely do not get bored with it. It's just the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, I'm I'm working on it all the time. Very cool. So when you were, uh, during that class then, how did that kind of uh, evolve for you then? Like when you were doing that class, did you feel like the other people in the class were experiencing the same thing? Or did you feel like it was kind of different for you? I, I, I think it, it hit me a lot harder than I think some of the other ones. I, I'm not sure. I think some people took it just to pass the time. But uh, <clears throat> a little later on then, I, I started painting little small paintings uh, I didn't even frame them or anything in a little gallery in Kirkland called me one day and said hey could you bring down some paintings and see if we can sell them so I took down about maybe 15 or 20 paintings Yeah. and they just pinned, pinned them up you know and a couple weeks later she called me and says hey John um, we sold everything can you give us some more <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know talk about something that motivates you and then a quick little story is later on, I, I ended up painting into uh, to an art show in 
Totem Lake, and it was the East Side Association of, of Fine Arts. Mm -hmm. And I, I was a little nervous about doing that. I'm thinking, oh, my friends are going to say, well, who do you think you are putting your paintings out like that, you know? But I thought, you know what, I'm going to just give it a whirl, and maybe I can get into the show. So anyway, a few days later, <clears throat> a lady called me, and she says, hey, uh, Mr. Ebner, um, we wanted to tell you that you you won first prize at our show. And, <laughs> and it, it didn't dawn on me that it was true. I thought, you know, I wonder who the heck is this, you know, giving me this little story here. <laughs> and then pretty soon I realized she was telling me the truth. So we are we are so excited. And we go to the show and we're standing there looking at my painting and there's people gathered, you know, all around looking at the show. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we overheard one lady say, My God, how did that painting win the first prize? Oh no. And uh, so this was my first lesson in humility <laughs> and, and uh, a tip for artists is or for anybody when you go to an art show if you got something not good to say don't say it because the <laughs> artist is probably hanging around listening to you <laughs> oh that's very cool so then um then so you were doing the you did the the small store or the small gallery in kirkland then um, what kind of happened after that? You sold out to your first things, and then what happened? So I continued <clears throat> selling it at the gallery, and then we decided to start framing things up and doing things better and getting a little bit more serious. And um, then uh, eventually I, I was selling through the Kenneth Beam galleries, and he had a big gallery in, in uh, Bellevue Square, one in South Center, one in Alderwood Mall, and one downtown Seattle. And, uh, man, that was fun because I was in there with some really big names. And um, so we'd have a show at each of those galleries two times a year, which really was a bit of a stress <laughs> for me to, you know, get all this stuff together. But Ken really helped put me on the map. And at the same time I was doing that, I was... Uh, showing at the Bellevue Arts and Crafts Fair. Mm -hmm. And I did that for maybe, I think, probably 12 years. And, and that was fun. And it was a super way to collect a lot of names for your mailing list, you know, to meet a lot of people. Yeah. Very cool. So how did you get in the, the galleries in Seattle and stuff? Did, you, did they reach out to you or did you track them down? You know, I'm not brave enough to go up to a gallery and say, hey, I'd like to show my work. And, it, <laughs> and if I did, I could guarantee you, galleries are so used to saying, no, we've already got our people, you know, don't even bother showing us. It's, I mean, that's kind of how it is. Yep. So I, I've never done that. But when I would be doing, say, the Bellevue Arts and Crafts Fair, people would come up to me and they'd see I was selling good and they'd say, hey, would you be interested in working with our gallery? And that's, that's pretty much how we got... We, for a while, we were into about 70 galleries. Wow. With with prints and, you know, mostly had to do a lot of prints to keep up with that. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of how I did it. I just I just am not brave enough to go up and ask them if they'd show my stuff. So <laughs> I let them ask me. <laughs> Very cool. So then, <clears throat> um, so then where, what galleries were you, get, were you in? like around this area or how, how far out and everything? 
most mostly Puget Sound area, but I had things done in uh, in Oregon and uh, in, in California. Okay. So I didn't I didn't get out too far. And <clears throat> then um, to add to the story, I uh, let's see. I guess I was doing my show at Kenneth Beam Galleries. A lady came up to me and said, um, "Would you?" be interested in working with a national publisher and I, I says um, yeah I guess so I never <laughs> nothing I ever thought about well anyway so she, she says I'm going to contact you after you get done with the show and all this so and it was Hadley House a big publisher back in Minnesota <clears throat> and so we flew back and signed a contract with them for three years and uh, what we found too though was my um, my base is basically Oregon and Washington. Okay. Now, you know, like I paint, you know, Northwest stuff, so that's kind of why that works out that way. But um, anyway, so uh, I stayed with them three years, and that was really fun. But I decided to, to uh, opt out of that and just do my own publishing. Okay. And I, <clears throat> they did offset lithos. That's all they did. And uh, I, I was doing a few uh, G. Clay prints on my own, and I asked, well, why you guys don't do these things? This is the way the market's going to go. And they never did never did get into it for a long, long time. I probably was doing it myself five years before they even started it. And um, anyway, um, where was I going with this? Uh, oh, so doing G. Clay's, and I bought a big printer, but you can... I can print my own things. I can change sizes. I can improve them and use Photoshop to take out the specs and all that stuff. Okay. So I can, I can get a, a print that looks actually better than the, the original did. And the great thing about them is they don't fade and uh, they're on watercolor paper. And uh, But the advantage to me is it's not only that I save money by printing my own. The main thing for me is that someone can call me and say, hey, I want this particular print, but I need it in this size, and I need it tomorrow. No problem. I can just walk over to my computer, stick it on my machine, on my printer, and have it ready for me. Where before, I had to send it out, and I would get back in two weeks. And, you know, I'm just such a time lag. In yeah. So... So this is probably the best thing I've ever done for my art type business. Yeah. So real quick then, going back then, can you explain the difference between, and I might pronounce these wrong, Offset Lithos and G-Clay? Yep, perfect. <clears throat> offset Litho, when I was doing those, it's printed on a machine that cost a million dollars plus. It's a huge machine. And there's a lot of time in getting it set up, and it runs the runs each color separately. And uh, the paper is not as good a quality, nowhere near what your clay paper is like. And the thing is, on a on an offset litho, the artist has to print about a thousand of them to make it uh, anywhere worthwhile or you know cost effective. Mm-hmm. So now you end up with a stack that's about a foot deep. Now you've got to store these things. Well, we we have about 100 different prints. Well, storage was really getting to be a problem. Now that I do Jaclays, I can store everything in a series of of, shell, of drawers 
in my studio. I don't have to rent a warehouse anymore. And uh, well, the advantage of a clay is number one, you have the ability to change sizes and you can tweak it and tweak colors and all that kind of thing with Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, two, you can print one or two. I mean, it's kind of like you can print on demand instead of having this huge inventory. Uh, three, they they don't fade. The inks now they say will go approximately 300 years with no noticeable fade. <laughs> uh, the paper stays pure white. It doesn't yellow like an offset litho does, and, and, it, and well, they don't fade. So, uh, I mean, the technology for these printers these days now is just unbelievable. And wow. I can pretty much, I can do everything in-house here now. I don't have to leave the house. I can do it all over the internet type thing. Yeah. So, is that more than you wanted to hear? No, that's that's really cool. It, it's it's always fascinating to me how, um, you know, I, I've always been super into like technology and how things advance and stuff. And as a kid, like I wasn't very artistic or, or skilled in that set or um, even at the time really interested in it. As I've gotten older and started talking to artists and stuff, it's always interesting to me how technology and arts have continued to fuse. Like it's like the science and the arts are now being fused into and all working together. You know, it's funny you, you mentioned how these two are fusing. I take... I mean, on my computer, I've got over 20,000 photos I take, and they're all good ones of scenery and, and family and all that stuff. But I, uh, I, my latest project, I'm learning to use Photoshop and, and, and see some of the advantages you can do with that. So lately I've been playing, like, I'll take a photograph of a foggy, misty scene up along highway, the Pioneer Highway type thing, all yeah. those mist. But I, what I've been doing then is I've been painting uh, herons and eagles and, and uh, things like that. I paint them, then I put it in Photoshop and drop out the whole back. Then I, I put those in a file. And so I've got this photograph. I can drag that eagle into that photograph. So I've actually, it's an eagle that I've actually painted on top and combining the photograph and uh, and a, uh, a painting together. So I don't oh, know very go, cool. I don't know where to go, but man, it is some of the imagery I've been able to get is just so fun, so great. That is really cool. Well, and the other cool thing about that um, is like, I don't know, like being able to combine those two things. Like that's super. I don't. Know, I'm really excited to see some of those. Yeah, we'll see where that goes, but I think it's got a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Very cool. So then you, so you were selling um, at a lot of different things, and then how did you? Well, one, how did you end up on in the Northwest, um, like in Washington Northwest? Uh, I guess we'll start there. How did you end up? So you were in Oregon. How did you end up here? Uh, good question. Uh, when I was in Oregon, my dad raised lawn grass seed, and when that stuff would pollinize in the, you know, in the summer. I mean, there was clouds of that pollen and dust, and I, I was so allergic, and I had uh, asthma really bad. I'd end up in the oxygen tent every year. And oh, okay. I had to give myself, I had to give myself shots <laughs> for this stuff all the time, and uh, which makes me cringe when I think about it now. I hate it. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so I, um, I, 
after high school, I moved to Portland, went to an uh, advertising art school. And I noticed in Portland, uh, I, I seemed to get a lot of relief from this asthma thing. And then uh, I took my first job as a sales rep for a window covering company, and they transferred me up to Seattle. Otherwise, I'd probably never come here, but thank God I did. And um, then I find out I, up here, I have almost zero problem with any asthma and all that stuff. Nice. So that's the reason I, I came up here. But in that window covering business then, I, I traveled a lot. I was a, a regional sales manager for a window covering company, and I covered Oregon, Washington. Okay. But I got to be out and see a lot of scenery, took a lot of pictures, and I paint little, small little beach scenes in the hotel at night. And uh, just to keep myself uh, involved in it. And... Uh, and I guess from there, uh, well, you know the rest. We talked about the classes and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I, I got to tell you this quick little thing, though. But when I was about seven, we used to go to the Oregon coast a lot. And we were down at Cannon Beach. And I was riding my bicycle down on the beach one time. And it was, uh, I mean, the weather was really nice there. But it was early morning. And, man, it, we were socked in fog. You couldn't see anything. <laughs> and then as the sun came up, it turned all this fog just a beautiful orange glowing kind of a mist. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm riding the bike in this mist. I am just enthralled with what's going on. But I, I noticed I couldn't see anything except, you know, the color and all that, the mist. But I could hear, I mean, all the other senses, I could hear the seagulls and the crashing waves and smell the salt water, you know, and, and feel that cold mist on your skin and all that. And mm -hmm. uh, it was just a feeling that I will never forget. And I, I was riding around and I thought, man, this is the most incredible experience I've ever seen. <laughs> and that feeling, I, I've just never gotten over it. I just... Uh, it, it kind of comes back whenever I see a scene that I'm just crazy about. And for some reason, I seem to be into this mystery fog all the time. It adds a kind of a mystery to a painting, I guess. Yeah. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to that. <laughs> Very cool. So then a, another question I wanted to ask you, um, just because I've talked with, uh, I interviewed uh, Jed Dorsey, um, who obviously does acrylic painting. Um, mm -hmm. Have you played around with acrylic, and and what has drawn you to watercolor versus acrylic or oil or other version types? Good question. Okay, good question, and this is something especially other artists would probably appreciate. But here's the deal: I painted with with watercolors all, almost all the time, and uh, I think watercolors compared to oil or anything else is just so. For me, anyway, so much uh, more fun and, and superior. But um, <laughs> late, lately, I, I've been using almost exclusively uh, acrylics. And I use liquid acrylics. And here's the reason. In a watercolor, if you want to do say, one layer over top of another layer over top of another layer... Each time you do that, it affects the layers down below a little bit. They, they're not real permanent, and they can move around a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
if you do those those layers of those glazes with acrylic paint, each one that as it dries, it is permanent. It's not going anywhere, and you can't mess with it. It's it's permanent. So you can do all the layers you want without damaging the layers that are underneath it. And man, it, it gives you uh, another freedom that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And then, and then, most people who do like Jed and most people who do acrylic use them use acrylic paint, thick and opaque like you do oil paint. I I don't do that. I thin mine down thin and watery, just like exactly like you do with watercolors. Okay. And to, so to look at one of my paintings, you can't you can't tell or I can't tell if it's done with acrylic or watercolor. Um, now, um, so uh, the advantage of watercolor though is you can you can kind of manipulate some of those some of those layers. I mean, you can you can lift it you know lift out some and get the whites back and things like that. Yeah. Um, so and that's kind of the reason I've been doing that and and with with the acrylic paints I don't have a million colors I've got about I just got the basic ones like yellow and, and blue and red uh, mm-hmm. black and white and uh, a couple other colors but in green but with those I can mix all the colors I ever wanted to need with just those basic colors yeah so. Uh, I, I love using acrylics. That's so cool. Well, and that's really interesting because um, you're <laughs> you've basically created a hybrid of water and acrylic painting, and and gotten a lot of the the textures and the visualization of watercolor, but with some of those hidden benefits of the acrylic. Exactly. So I'm I'm always exploring and, and try, experimenting with things, trying to figure out how can I. Okay, here's the resolve I want. What do I have to do to get that, you know? So that's kind of how I came up with that stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. So then um, how do you guys, so I guess, um, how did you end up finding about Kameno then? You were down in Seattle selling window okay. covers and stuff. <laughs> that's a good question. Hey, so here's what happened. I I had to come up here one time on a, somebody complained about it, one of their blinds and so that, I had to come up and look at this house and find out what problem was and get it resolved. Well, so I came up here to the island, and uh, and I really hadn't been on this island. There's no re- no business on it, and there's no reason for me to come here. But the uh, the home was out on uh, Madrona Beach, so I came up in the late afternoon in the summer. the The sun is setting. Oh, it was it was beautiful, and. Um, <laughs> And it was shining on the Madrona trees. And then here's this little village that I didn't know was up here. And, uh, man, I, I thought, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> so after I took care of the problem, I called my wife on the way home. And I said, hey, sell the house. We're moving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so, uh, but we we did it. We, we ended up doing it. I ended up convincing her that this is where we needed to live. And that was a super move. Wow. On our part. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and then how, when did you start doing, so one of the things that uh, I know you for, um, apart from you, you've been selling within the marketplace for a long time, but you have these really amazing tiles that you do. Um, and then you do small ones and you do larger ones. How did you, when did you start that? How did you get started on all that? 
Okay, that I, I walked into a little store one day and I saw a display of some tiles and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool stuff. And so the lady that I would sell things to there, she said, well, the, the factory that makes those is just kind of around the corner here in Redmond. So I went straight over there, took a tour of the place and, um, and thought, boy, this is something I think I want to do. And um, so we started doing uh, small little coasters with my images. Well, I had I'd painted all these images already, so all these things were on my computer. Mm-hmm. So we, we we ended up doing a few, and and my thinking was first of all, I liked the way the colors became so intense, and I, I liked the shininess of them, and I liked the fact that we could. Uh, it was a way of getting, let's say, sampler type images of my workout, things that were fairly inexpensive for people to start out with. Mm-hmm. And then people would buy those and then, you know, they'd hear somebody say, oh, I think I, I think I really like that tile, you know. And anyway, things kind of grew from there. So it just gave me a lot of exposure. And we have we have sold thousands and thousands of these things since we started doing that. Yeah. Well, I we love them. And like every year, it seems like you release a couple more into the mix. And um, every time you do, like, it's always neat to see how they turn out. And um, I think they're just really cool. And yeah, that they're at that really affordable beginner price. And I got some new ones you're going to see pretty soon, too. Nice. Very cool. Um, all right. So I also wanted to t- touch on, you just did a, like a, a documentary series thing. Can you talk about that? And what was it called and, and how do people find it? Okay. That was, uh, Jack Dorsey and his son, um, Jason with us together. And it was, uh, a documentary on, they call us vintage. They don't call us old artists. <laughs> they call us <laughs> But the idea was to find uh, watercolorists who have, uh, well, let's see, added or let's see, um, how am I going to explain this here? Have contributed to the art scene in the Northwest, I guess is what. Guys that have been around a long time and, and had some influence on, on, on the art business, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they would... Uh, they would find us old guys and bring us in and do a do a video and then write up some stuff and and uh, and it was interesting that when I when I go there one of my favorite old teachers Jerry Stitt was also one of these old guys like me so that was really kind of fun to see him there oh, too oh fun and um, and the guy's still painting like crazy, and I think he's he's about eighty something now, even older than me. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, and you're asking how do you how do you go there? Uh, I'm I'm just drawing a blank now. Um, I think if you went to uh, look up uh, Jason Dorsey artist, okay, then you'll see something about uh, vintage artist of the Northwest. Or you could probably just Google Northwest Vintage Artist. Okay. That, that might work, too. Very cool. And and what I'll do is I'll try and find it, and then I'll put a link to it in the oh, show notes. Oh, 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 that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just looking at one of my notes here. I, I just had to look up and see how long I've been doing this. I've been painting 46 years. Very cool. Nice. 
Awesome. And then I also want to talk about, um, so one of the, the other reason we wanted to get you on the podcast too, um, was in, in January, you're going to be the featured artist for upstairs in the loft at Camino Commons. Um, right. talk a little bit about that and, and what kind of what you're hoping to bring and everything. Um, I'm still working on that, but I'm thinking possibly I do some images on metal. I think I might bring a piece in that's done on metal. Uh, then I, I might possibly bring in uh, something done on canvas. Uh, I think I'll just bring in about three or four, and I'll probably have an original of some kind there. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't. I won't have a lot of room, but I'll have three or four things there for sure. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I've um, like I, as I'm getting to know one more of the artist community on Camino Island, but um, two just become more and more involved within within the business and working with my dad and stuff. I know like your name has been one of the artists that like I've known for like ever since I was a kid. Like I've known that one, um, and so it's been it's great getting to actually interview you and talk with you and and hear your story of how you've gotten into art and everything. Um, cool. Very cool. So I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Um, first of all, what is a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that you've, uh, enjoyed the most over the last three months? <laughs> I looked around this morning, probably my little Alexa. Nice. Oh, very cool. <laughs> you seem like you, you'd like to stay up to date on technology and be able to like uh, utilize the newer things. I like these, these toys. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. Uh, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town uh, to visit the island. What would their first day look like here? I would probably take them around. I, I think I would take them up, uh, probably up Pioneer Highway, go to uh, Conway Tavern, have lunch with them. Uh, I would probably go down into um, Le Conner. Uh, uh, Wood Merchant is one of my favorite stores in town. Um uh, and they sell a lot of my things. A pretty incredible store in McConnor. Um, and just up through the valley, and then uh, I'd probably take them, if we had time, down to Camino Island State Park and Cama Beach. Uh, and, but, and first of all, I'd, I'd drag them through all my yard and make sure they see all my landscaping and <laughs> waterfalls. <laughs> and, uh, and we've kind of gotten into all that fun landscaping just as a kind of as a second reason for people to come and visit our studio during the Mother's Day studio tour. Yeah. That's very cool. And I, hopefully that'll that'll be able to happen this year. We're still kind of waiting to see what happens. We're kind of thinking maybe we might postpone it till uh, summertime, like July. Okay. So that we're working on that. Okay. And would that be a, a permanent move or would that be a temporary move for 2021? We think temporary. We'd like to probably go back to the Mother's Day time slot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that works really well. I think it's a, a great reason to, to bring your moms out and stuff like that and let them see a bunch of art and do things like that. It's a good weekend. It, you know, and for that weekend, we have we have about 3,000 people minimum in those two weekends that uh, tromp through our house and check out everything. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, to me, that is that is so fun to, to meet all these people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was going to mention that the way we got started with the Scamano art scene is when we came up here 23 years ago, 
Um, well, before we came, we used to do shows at our own house in Kirkland. Okay. And we would, my wife loved to decorate up the house, and we had lights all over the place. It was a Christmas season, and we'd have a, uh, we'd have a, we'd serve champagne and hors d'oeuvres, and man, it was so fun, and we had a friend wear a tuxedo and serve hors d'oeuvres and all that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, so we accumulated a, a mailing list of about 3,000 plus, um, and, and, and those were only customers who had purchased something. Okay. Uh, so um, when we came up, we thought, hey, maybe we can kickstart this thing by uh, plugging in our mailing list. And boy, it worked. And it was amazing that, I mean, like the second year we did this, restaurants ran out of food. I mean, it was just, it was just nobody was was ready for the crowd that was to come up there. That's awesome. So were you part of the, the starting of the, uh, the studio art tour? Well, it was actually started by uh, three galleries on the island who actually got the idea to do this. We, we had been in, involved in this, though, right off the get-go. So for the whole, well, 20 or 21 years of this thing, we've been a part of it. Probably one of the... <laughs> One of the few remaining old timers, you know, <laughs> the vintage, yeah, vintage guys, yeah, <laughs> very cool. All right, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? I think I don't know if you've talked to your neighbor, but I think Danny Kaufman is one of the most interesting guys I've ever talked to. Uh, he's an artist, but he's also a uh, Oh, uh, wait a minute. he's an uh, activist, I guess. Okay. Uh, but he's, he's, he would be super interesting. You know, um, another person I think might be of interest to you sometime is, is my old buddy and neighbor from Kirkland, and his name is Ron Cooper. And since he's been up here maybe six, seven years, but this guy has gotten so involved in the art thing, and he walks here all the time and shows and all that. Uh, but he's involved in things like Camino Island Country Club and just really does his share of things for the, you know, to benefit the island. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard right on Camino Island as you're driving up, what would that say? I think I would say, welcome to Camino Island. Uh, enjoy our paradise. Nice. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, John. Yeah, though, well, this was, uh, this was fun. Yeah. No, this was great. All right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you thinking of me for this. Yep. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to John Ebner for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. <clears throat> and I will see you guys not next week, but in a few weeks. Um, so I am looking forward to that. And I will talk to you on the next one.